You've heard of a beeline, you know, if someone makes a beeline for something, they're making a direct path to that. This is KCBX Central Coast Public Radio. I'm Father Ian Dellinger, and I'm playing with food. Bees will make a beeline toward the entrance of the hive. And if you stand in the way of that beeline, you're going to get hit by a bee, and that makes them unhappy, and you can get stung if you get in their way. This path right here, you can see um, the bees are coming in. That, that is their beeline, so we basically want to stay out of the way of that. And as long as we do that, we can work in the back here without causing an issue. Bees, they produce honey. It's a simple process, yet infinitely complex. And it's certainly fascinating. The Playing With Food team ventured out into the world of honey production, but full disclosure, you're going to hear more about bees because they are more interesting. We start in Sea Canyon near Avila Beach. I am Jeremy Rose, owner of the California Bee Company, and we have bees and sell local honey. How long have you been in business? About 18 years, and I've been keeping bees for about 20 years. Beekeeping kind of comes down to a couple of things. Having a good place to put them, having bees, and having plenty of flowers blooming all around because that's their food. So there are a lot of skills that you kind of need as a beekeeper to keep them healthy, but basically you need a good place to put them with plenty of flowers. Today we are here at Sea Canyon Fruit Ranch in San Luis Obispo, kind of near Avila Beach. And here, this is a unique climate. We have quite a variety of different things. Right now the bees just finished up bringing in some honey from a California native shrub called the Toyon bush. Before that, the bees were working on some wild black sage that grows in kind of all the hills throughout central and southern California. We also are standing in an apple and pear orchard, which gives the honey an amazing appley, peachy, fruity flavor. How do you know what flowers they are feeding off of? The bees are generalists and they will go to a variety of different species, even overlapping at the same time. There are certain individual foraging bees that will hone in on a certain flower, such as the wild sage. One of the ways that the beekeeper can figure out what they're going to is number one, just walk around and see what the bees are on. Kind of one of my favorite ways, especially for the wild black sage, is to look at the bees when they're coming into the hive. And as they're flying in, they will have kind of a little whitish, bluish pollen streak across their face because the sage flower is set up to put pollen right on their face like that. So that's kind of an interesting way for the sage, but there's a lot of ways. The honey tastes different, it looks different, the hives have a different smell when they're on different things. It's always kind of a blend, but when something is blooming really, really strong, such as the sage, then we will make almost exclusively sage honey. Say it's 90% sage honey in the particular batch, which is really interesting. So your same bees produce different honey throughout the year, depending on what What's blooming? Absolutely. So throughout the season, we can do manzanita honey, we can do apple honey, we can do sage honey, toyon honey, uh, raspberry honey, blackberry honey. I just got back last night from a spot where I do artichoke blossom honey. It can be all from the same hives. It's all a matter of taking the old honey out and then letting the bees fill up with the new batch. Where did your bees come from? When I was starting, I started with a swarm of bees that I caught here in San Luis Obispo. And I started with a full colony that my beekeeping professor at Cal Poly helped me go get out of somebody's backyard. And when I started this business, it was me and a friend. So me and another Cal Poly student started the business together. We kept those two hives just in his backyard. And come springtime, we were able to start splitting the hives. We bought a few other hives here and there, but mainly just starting from a small number, we were able to get up to, I think, around 70 or 80 hives just during 
in the first season. From there, it's just a matter of doing that every year and one hive can become many just naturally. Say a hive starts with maybe 5,000 bees in it, one hive can build up to over 50,000 bees and you can actually split them just by giving them a new queen bee so you can split them into multiple. Do you find the queen bee among the newbies? The queen bee is hard to find. <laughs> so the queen bee is a notorious complicated process. Each one of these hives, it's a stack of boxes. So each one of those stacks has one queen bee in there. So the only way to find it is to start pulling out frames and start looking for it. And that's really the only way to find it. You might get lucky, she might be on the first frame, or you might just have horrible luck and she is just crawling around on the floor and you don't find it until the very, very end. And how do you know she's the queen? So as a beekeeper, you get used to what the queen looks like. She has a particular body shape. She's a little bit bigger. Mainly she is a little bit longer and she just has a little different look to her. She might be a slightly different color from the other bees sometimes. So you look for all those things. Sometimes she will have what's called a retinue, where maybe seven to 14 bees are all facing her. Maybe you'll just notice that pattern where there are a bunch of bees all facing the same direction. And sure enough, the queen's right in the middle right there, right where they're taking good care of her. We don't actually put her with the new hive so that she won't fight with the new queen. So the new queens, I have those, they're in little cages. I actually produce those. <laughs> so I already have those ready to go. That's a whole, whole nother process right there. And then separate out maybe say like five frames of bees put those into a new box and take them to a new place, and then I can put the new queen in there. So are they mating with the queen? The queen bee is the mother of all the bees in the colony. So as she lays eggs, all of the worker bees are her daughters. She does lay some males. Say there's 50,000 female bees in the colony, there might be a couple thousand male bees in there. The males are called drones, and the males actually fly during the day, and they're just hanging out out there in nature, hanging out in a little group of male bees that's called a drone congregation area because the male's called the drone. And they're just waiting for a new unmated queen from another colony, maybe from far away, they can fly a few miles and they will mate with queens from other colonies. So that's one of the ways that we get genetic diversity among our bees. The majority of bees are female. I kind of That's had right. the impression when you had the queen bee and all the rest of the worker bees were male, but you're saying the worker bees are female. If these female bees are designed to serve the queen, like what's going on in the colony? Really is it's, my question. What's going on in the colony? It's, like what's the family dynamic? It's kind of a weird family dynamic. So the, the family dynamic is yes, the, the queen bee, she's the mother of all the worker bees, but the worker bees don't really serve her they more rely on her to serve them. Okay, this is a good place to pause before it gets too complicated. You're listening to KCBX Public Radio for the Central Coast. I'm Father Ian in Sea Canyon between San Luis Obispo and Avila Beach watching bees make honey. I also explored a hobby honey production. Lots of similar things said, starting with bee collection. My name is Rob Dirksen, and we are just checking out some of my hobby hives. We are off of Bee Canyon Road. I was keeping bees when I lived in LA, just as a hobby. The thing that got me interested was the colony collapse disorder and bees and how fascinating they are and the sort of magical creatures. Unfortunately, um, with all the nicotinamides and other poisons we use, it's hard on the bees. We believe that's what's contributing to the colony collapse disorder. So you've been doing this for a while. How long have you been doing bees? Oh, probably 10, 15 years. How did you learn to do this? YouTube. <laughs> I mean, I, well, what's funny is I just started watching a few YouTubes and then I, it went from there. And I just, the more I learned about the bees, the more fascinating. I mean, I could go on and on talking about them because they are kind of amazing little creatures. 
What I'll do is in the spring is I'll just put some pheromone out in some of the hive boxes. That will attract, hopefully, a swarm to move in, and that makes a really easy swarm catch. Oh, so you capture your own bees. That's right. And sometimes I'll get calls from friends or from friends and friends who they have a swarm and they'll give me a call and I can come pick it up. And that way I can help both my friends out and the bees and give them a nice home. And then I'll set them up here. So bees like the smell of comb. It's like an old home and it's an easy for them. So if you put out a box that has comb in it already, they will smell that and they will be attracted to that. You can increase your odds by catching a swarm by adding a little queen pheromone in there. And that, if you're lucky, we'll get them. This year, just on my own property, I did catch four swarms this year. This was a good year for bees. This is called a flow hive. So what we have here is a device that you can see the bees moving up and down here. They are depositing their nectar and once they deposit their nectar, they fan it with their wings to dehydrate it. Once it gets full and dehydrated enough, they will cap that with wax. Honey is the only food that, as long as it's not exposed to air, will last forever. It's pretty magical. So the bees are, you can see, depositing into these, that's comb. That liquidy there, it's semi-thick, but not completely. When it's completely dehydrated to the right moisture, they will cap that and they will totally cover that. And what the flow hive does is it's pretty ingenious. What they do is you turn a little lever and it breaks the comb and then the honey falls down and then you just collect it. It's a lot easier, a lot less labor intensive than the traditional way of collecting honey. Bees produce food for us and this show is about food. So what about the food stuff that is honey? My show is called Playing With Food and honey is not only food for bees, but we've turned it into food for people. It's a great food. It's a wonderful, it's the best food. Okay, oh, yeah. tell me, I don't even have a question, I don't even know what my question is. So, honey. Yeah, honey is amazing. So, one of the things that kind of caused me to start doing this, there are several things that made me want to start doing my own honey and having my own bees, but one of them was learning that a lot of the honey that is available in grocery stores and on the market is contaminated. So a lot of it has been watered down with sugar or corn syrup or water. Um, even worse, a lot of it is contaminated with different pesticide chemicals. So that's one of the things that made me start this business to do things differently, have them out here in really pristine places like this. The nice thing about producing honey is you get a different kind every location. I have several different spots just a mile apart and we get a slightly different kind of honey at each spot. That's one of the things that really keeps me entertained is year to year the variations and location to location the variations and I think that's what eating natural and producing your own food is all about. If I was properly suited up and opened one of those boxes what would I see? So the first thing you'll notice if you open a box is that everything will be totally covered with bees. There's a lot more in there than you think there are. There's tens of thousands of bees in there and the healthy hives will be totally covered. The way to move the bees off is puff a little bit of smoke and they kind of instinctually move away from the smoke and that also serves to calm them down. Open the lid, we'll put a little bit of smoke in there, a couple of puffs to calm the bees down and then the next step is start prying out the frames. Everything is stuck together. The bees actually gum everything up with a material called propolis, which is bee resin. So propolis is tree resin that the bees gather, and they mix it with a little bit of beeswax, and they use that to seal everything up in the hive. So everything's kind of stuck, so we have to pry a frame out, and if it's totally full of honey, we will shake the bees off, give it a nice little shake. We literally shake them off, and the bees come off. The frame of honey goes in a separate box, 
and we will take that away to be extracted. And the extractor is simply a centrifuge that spins the frame and the honey flies out, and then we can give the frame back to the bees. But what is honey all about? Rob, out in Bee Canyon, offers the simple answer. Well, what's interesting is it's not even the honey, it's that the bacteria. So what happens is when the bees are ingesting the nectar from a flower, they ingest it, and in their gut, it has bacteria and so many different types of bacteria, we have not even identified them all. It's really the bacteria that's part of the magic of this. And then what happens is, uh, I hope I don't gross people out, but when the bees are back in the hive, they'll actually pass that early honey from bee to bee. So they'll drink it and then regurgitate it and drink it and regurgitate it. So it gets passed around and that's just part of the process. And it's really the bacteria inside the bees, I guess, gut that is transforming that nectar into honey. Bee barf doesn't make it sound too appealing, but to still to some extent, it's a little bit, they do ingest it and then they also bring it back up. <laughs> Nature. Yeah, it's you know, magical. It's magical. Now it's Jeremy's turn to take the concept of bee barf to the next level. When we see bees flying around, they're just basically looking for food and eating. Now, is honey bee barf? Okay, that's a good question. Is the honey bee barf? So no, it's not. If it was bee barf, they would be actually swallowing the nectar into their stomach and throwing up. But they actually have a separate organ. So they don't swallow it all the way. They put it into a clean, separate place, and they can put it back out without actually swallowing it all the way. So when the forager bee goes to a flower, she goes until her honey stomach is full, and then she comes back to the colony, and she basically hands it off to another bee that moves it up into the hive and stores it somewhere. You're listening to Issues and Ideas on KCBX Public Radio for the Central Coast. I'm Father Ian with the Playing with Food team, and we're learning about honey. Jeremy from the California Bee Company is describing the soap opera that goes on in the hive. Just a warning, it gets a bit dark. So the, the family dynamic is, yes, the, the queen bee, she's the mother of all the worker bees, but the worker bees don't really serve her. They more rely on her to serve them. It all kind of is a weird relationship because if the queen bee gets, say, too old, maybe a, she's a couple of years old, she's not moving very fast, she's not laying very many eggs every day, the worker bees will actually supersede her where they will get rid of her and they will raise a new queen. It'll be one of her daughters, basically, will become the new queen. A bee Yeah, it is. It is. And sometimes it is more rough than other times. Like, sometimes they're pretty nice about it. They'll allow the old queen and the new queen to be in there together, which is nice, till the old one finally passes away. Sometimes they're a little more mean about it, and they'll just kill the old queen right away and then raise a new one. They will ball her. They actually form a ball, and they kind of sting and bite, and they overheat her. Isn't that sad? And they throw her out the front door. Have you seen that happen? Oh yeah, we see that all the time. Yeah. Wow, that would be fascinating to see. We like them because they pollinate things, right? Like most fruits and vegetables we wouldn't have if we didn't have bees because they pollinate, right? What do they think they're doing? They're just looking for food. So when the bee pollinates a flower, she's looking for something to eat. Their only food is the nectar, which they turn into honey. So that's the sweet stuff. That's their carbohydrate and the pollen from the flower. So when they move the pollen around, that does the function of pollination for the plant, but the bee is just there to gather some food. So the pollen supplies all of their protein needs and uh, the minerals and vitamins and the lipids. Honey is their canning process. That's true. 
So the honey is the only food that never goes bad, for one thing. They do find honey sealed up inside the pyramids, and as long as it was sealed up that whole time, it's still good. And the bees are doing that to store up for lean times. So they work hard during the spring and summer when the flowers are blooming, and hopefully they store enough in the colony that they can open their pantry during lean, tough times and survive until the beginning of spring. We always try to leave typically around 35 to 40 pounds of honey with every hive, and that's always enough to make them have enough to survive. If you leave more than that, what we found is that there's too much space in the colony. These hives are stacked up as multiple boxes. So some of these are three and four boxes. For the winter time, that's too much space and the bees can't keep that much space warm. They just have too much dead air space in there. So it actually works out well for them if we take out whatever honey is in the top two boxes and just reduce all that space down to just two bee boxes or even one in some situations works well. And then they have just enough air space in there and just enough honey in there that they have everything they need to be healthy. They just huddle together to keep warm. They do, they actually form what's called a wintering cluster and they keep it about 96 degrees in the middle. That's the temperature they like for their brood, which is the young. We've heard from Jeremy at the California Bee Company and Rob who has hobby hives. Both of them shared the intrigue of the diversity of honey. Do you ever get honey that tastes horrible that you can't sell? You know, I never have had bad honey. I've tried a certain kind of forest honey that came into a friend's hive years and years ago, and it was black and it tasted like motor oil. <laughs> so I've always been kind of worried about something like that happening. Oh man, what if they filled up with disgusting honey? But in my experience, I have always had the most delicious honey that comes in. Does this mean that there is an unlimited styles of honey because there are unlimited types of pollen? Absolutely. The pollen itself, we consider that to be more their protein, but it's the nectar itself that comes from the flowers. So since there are basically an unlimited number of different species of flowers and combinations thereof that can be blooming overlapping and at different locations, it is totally unlimited what we can get. Sometimes we'll have total surprises, but then some of them are fairly dependable, such as the sage. Even that causes trouble though in drought years. So that brings us to the next issue. We have had major problems for the last three years because of the ongoing drought. Nothing has been blooming. So it has been very difficult to produce any honey at all. And it tends to be kind of feast or famine. So this year we had a lot of rain, we made quite a bit of honey, but last year, very, very little. So you centrifuge the honey, and then you bottle it, and then you sell it. What's, you know, cool and groovy and interesting about centrifuge to customer? It is really cool because I have all these little micro batches. We just use a small system. That's kind of one of the things that distinguishes us from some of the really large commercial beekeepers or even what's called honey packers that sell the honey that you see at the grocery stores. When we extract it, every little batch is slightly different. Even if we're selling sage honey, one batch might have a little bit of a bubble gummy taste from those sage flowers. It's just tastes that come through from the flowers. It's almost like wine, different flavors come through. And maybe another batch will have kind of a peachy or appley flavor. And even one batch has almost a hint of mintiness or peppermint taste to it, which is really, really good. Different times of year, depending on when you collect the honey, the flavor will be different. That's the thing with most commercial honey. What they do is they collect it from all over. They mix it all together to make it all taste the same, which is kind of too bad because there's millions of different types of flavors. You know, there's dark honey that might come from avocado trees or black sage that I have here. And the darker honey tends to have more minerals and has a lot of health benefits. The sweeter honey, like that might come from orange blossoms, they're very sweet, so it's almost a little bit like wine. You can have different types of honey for different types of food, depending on what you want. And then I tasted some honey. Uh, you can see it 
that this is darker than what most honey you might buy it's at the very store. dark yeah, yeah it looks like molasses almost yeah. it's nice and thick which means it's nice and dehydrated sometimes if you collect honey too early before like i said they completely dehydrated it it will have too much moisture and the moisture it will rot actually turns to mead you want it at the right moisture level so do you want it just straight up sure Here. okay let's do it that's really nice doesn't taste anything like honey that you'd buy at the grocery store right it's got a very, is earthly favor? Yeah, earthy it's flavor? a little more earthy, yeah. yeah. It has a lot more, well, it just has a lot more flavors. It's sort of, again, like wine. Like if you pay attention, you can taste the sage, you can taste poison oak, <laughs> you can taste, <laughs> we have a lot of avocado trees and, and oak trees and pepper trees, and that's all in there. Honey is fascinating. Bees are fascinating. There was so much to learn. If you are a fan of honey and you are eating honey bought in a grocery store, whether high volume production or specialty honey, I suggest that you venture further from the hive and try some local honey. Like all local produce I have tasted in the course of producing playing with food, it's incomparable. Jeremy couldn't have encapsulated it better. These are some of the most tired, stressed out people. So they need you to be nice to them. So be nice to your local beekeeper. Buy some honey at the farmer's market instead of the grocery store. Help a guy out. If he looks like he's barely staying awake, it's because he was moving his bees all night. This is KCBX Public Radio for the Central Coast. I'm Father Ian, and I'm playing with food.